the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Law Offices of Selwyn Whitehead is a debt relief agency under federal law and provides legal assistance to consumers seeking debt relief under the United States Bankruptcy Code. This is Selwyn's Law. Every week at this time, we get to hear from Selwyn Whitehead. She's not just an attorney at law. Selwyn knows her stuff and doesn't shy away from the truth, even when it's ugly. Her Bay Area practice focuses on helping her clients to manage their wealth through estate and tax planning, to managing their debt through reconstruction or bankruptcy. And now, it's time for Selwyn's Law. Good day, and welcome once again to Selwyn's Law. My name is Selwyn Whitehead, and I'm a California Bar Admin Attorney, and I'm also a Bankruptcy Law Certified Specialist who's been certified by the State Bar of California's Board of Legal Specialization. So in addition to my JD, I'm also a master of the laws of taxation law and a master of the laws of intellectual property laws. Now, both of these great master's degrees were obtained from one of my favorite alma mater, the Golden Gate University School of Law, which is located in the once again, very much alive and always beautiful streets of downtown San Francisco. Now, because of my training, my experience, and mostly My lifelong interest, I primarily practice bankruptcy law, debt wealth management, estates and trusts, real estate, and of course, taxation law. And as I've shared with you before, on occasion with some of my senior clients who've been beat up by the bad guys, I sometimes have an opportunity to fight back and attempt to vindicate their rights because financial elder abuse is all over the place now. Now, so I'm coming to you again today from my makeshift studios in my home in the always beautiful city of Oakland, California. And I come to you to discuss the financial and legal issues confronting individuals, families, and small business owners. However, I must once again preface my remarks by stating that this show does not provide any legal advice, nor am I developing an attorney-client relationship with anyone in the sound of my voice. Instead, this show strives strictly to serve as an educational forum for the exchange of information from me to you that might be helpful as you begin your search for more detailed information that is tailored to your specific set of facts and circumstances and hopefully provide you with at least an overview, an outline of some of the issues that may help you seek out and find qualified professional help to help you with your legal matter. And again, I do this because I see pro se's, that's what you're called by lawyers and you're representing yourself. I see pro se's in court and some of them are really sharp, but there's issues that they don't quite understand, all the procedural issues and and, and whatnot. And sometimes the procedural issues, although people call it a technicality, it's a very important technicality. And sometimes that's a reason why you don't get what it is that you're seeking from the court or you're not able to defend yourself. So that's why I say it's like taking a butter knife to the gunfight because all the other gunslingers in the courtroom, including the judge, 
and the person that's helping the judge understand your papers, they're lawyers. And your opponent is going to be either a lawyer, him or herself, or they're going to be represented by one. So I don't want you to, you know, lose an opportunity to vindicate your right because, you know, if you represent yourself, in my opinion, your valid claims and or your righteous defenses are going to end up seeing the promised land way before you do. And there's ways to make it work. Some people say the cost is too expensive to have a lawyer, and it is, but there are nonprofits that might be able to help you, at least prepare you to go into court and and give you a a little, little pistol as opposed to that butter knife, okay? So the purpose of Selwyn's Law is to discuss the law's related to your money, and more importantly, or more probably, especially these days, the lack thereof and your overall finances and what you need to consider to protect your and or your families and or your business's financial health, wealth, and money-related well-being as I understand these concepts in this non-threatening educational form. And inasmuch as I am a practicing attorney, and an imperfect person of faith, I have and will continue to use this platform to bring important news and information to you all out there in radio land about the intersection of the law and religion that I believe might be helpful to the members of our various, variously diverse religious communities throughout the Bay Area uh, in our great but flawed nation and this beautiful planet that the center of the universe has placed here for our use and stewardship. And you know what? We're not doing a really good job, but that's for another show. Let's get back to what we're talking about today. As such, and in as much as COVID-19 appears to be here to stay, today we will continue our ongoing discussion about what we need to do to safely reopen our various houses of worship by focusing in on the intersection of the First Amendment free exercise clause and the Tenth Amendment state police powers as exercised by officers of the state of California, including our governor, Governor Newsom, whom I happen to have a lot of respect for. So my source material for today's discussion include one, the emergency application for a writ of injunction filed with the United States Supreme Court by the plaintiffs who were a church, South Bay Unified Pentecostal Church, and its bishop, Bishop Arthur Hodges III, who were on the losing end in both the United States District Court for the Southern District of California, and they were appellants, that is to say they brought the matter up to the United States Court of Appeals for the Ninth Circuit, and that they're physically located, the Ninth Circuit in San Francisco, after the church and the bishop lost their appeal in the Ninth Circuit against the defendants who were the governor of California, Gavin Newsom, the attorney general of California, Xavier Becerra, California's chief health officer, Sonia Angel, and certain elected and or appointed officials in the county of San Francisco where the church is located. I'm also going to use 
as, as a resource, the United States Constitution, my best friend, and my con- notes from my con law class in law school. And I'm going to share with you the decision of the Supreme Court based on the um, churches and the bishops' uh, uh, writ to it. So let's just recap. In this corner is the First Amendment clause, which says, Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise. Uh, So that's a separation of church and state. Now, referring back to my notes from my con law class I shared with you last week, there are two distinct tests a court, any court, must use to sort out whether a governmental agency, including a state agency, because we're talking about the Constitution, that's the feds, but remember those uh, Civil War amendments that pushed out the juice of the Constitution to states? So what uh, the governmental unit, if it's a federal unit or if it's a state unit, you have to decide which of the two tests are going to be used to decide whether the governmental agency has crossed the line from being government to being too much entangled with religion. Now, if the government program prefers one religion or one sect of a religion over another, that means the government is picking winners and losers as far as churches are concerned, a religious institution, then strict scrutiny must be used. And strict scrutiny means the government, here, Governor Newsom, via the Attorney General and the law firm that they hired to represent them, they must persuade the reviewing court, here, the Supreme Court, that the law is necessary to further a compelling governmental interest, meaning that there's no less restrictive way for the government to do whatever it is the government is trying to do. And as you know, we're talking about preventing COVID-19. Now, on the other hand, there's another test where the legislation or governmental program contains no religious or sect preference. The reviewing court, it drops down to a three-part test to see if what the government is doing is rationally related to what it is that they're trying to do. So the three-part test is where the statute has to be secular. Government can't create laws that are religious. It has to be, has a, a secular purpose. The primary effect or purpose must neither advance nor inhibit religion. And three, the statute must not foster excessive entanglement by the government in religion. Okay, that's in this corner. In this corner is the application of the Tenth Amendment. The powers not delegated to the United States by the Constitution nor prohibited by it, the Constitution, to the states are reserved for the states, respectively, or the state's people, which to me is the same thing, because we vote in our elected officials. Now, included the powers 
that are reserved for the state and the people are the police powers. And these are powers to enact legislation for the protection of the health, safety, and welfare of its citizens. Citizens on, meaning us. So that's what this deal is. So what did uh, the bishop and the church ask the Supreme Court to look at? They asked Does California's four-stage reopening plan, which permits manufacturing, warehousing, retail offices, seated dining room restaurants, and schools to be reopened, but not places of worship, violate the free exercise clause of the First Amendment to the United States Constitution? So when we come back, I'm going to tell you what the Supreme Court said. So please stay tuned, and I'll see you on the other side. back to Selwyn's Law. Once again, your host, Selwyn Whitehead. Welcome back to Selwyn's Law as we continue today's discussion of what we need to do to safely reopen our houses of worship by focusing in on the intersection of the First Amendment free exercise clause and the Tenth Amendment state police power as exercised by officers of the state of California including our own Governor Newsom, by reviewing the Supreme Court's decision in the emergency writ filed by the plaintiffs, United Pentecostal Church and Bishop Arthur Hodges III, asking the Supreme Court the following question again. Does California's four-stage reopening plan, which permits manufacturing, warehousing, retail, offices, seated dining at restaurants, and schools to open, reopen, but not places of worship, does that fact, do those set of facts, violate the free exercise clause of the First Amendment to the United States Constitution? Well, here's what the Supreme Court said in its ruling that it issued on May the 29th. And it was written by Chief Justice Roberts, and he joined with four members of the court. And it it states, the application for injunctive relief presented to Justice Kagan. Now, remember, now each circuit has an appointed justice who gets emergency petitions. And so um, Justice Kagan got the emergency writ and she referred it to the entire court because she thought it was such of such important moment. Again, the application for injunctive relief presented to Justice Kagan and by her referred to the court is denied. Justice Thomas, Justice Alito, Justice Gorgich and Justice Kavanaugh would have granted the application. Chief Justice Roberts, concurring in the denial of the application for injunctive relief with the other four justices. He says, the governor of California's executive order aims to limit the spread of COVID-19, a novel, that means new, severe, acute respiratory 
illness that has killed thousands of people in California and more than 100,000 nationwide. So this was on the 29th. Now that number is almost at 110,000. At this time, there is no cure, no effective treatment, and no vaccine because people may be infected but asymptomatic. They may unwillingly infect others. The order places temporary numerical restrictions on public gatherings to address this extraordinary health emergency. State guidelines currently limit attendance at places of worship to 25% of the building's capacity or a maximum of 100 attendees. Applicants, again, that's the the church and the bishop, seek to enjoin enforcement of the order. Such a request demands a significantly higher justification than a request for a stay. Unlike a stay, an injunction does not simply suspend judicial uh, alteration of the status quo, but grants judicial intervention that has been withheld by lower courts. And he cites a case for that particular doctrine. This power is used where the legal right at issue are indisputably clear. And even then, sparingly, and only in the most critical and exigent circumstances, he cites another case for that uh, proposition. Although California's guidelines place restrictions on places of worship, those restrictions appear consistent with the free exercise clause of the First Amendment. Similar or more severe restrictions apply to comparable secular gatherings, including lectures, concerts, movie showings, spectator sports, and theatrical performances where large groups of people gather in close proximity for extended periods of time. And the order exempts or treats more leniently only dissimilar activities, such as operating grocery stores, banks, and laundromats, in which people neither congregate in large groups nor remain in close proximity for extended periods. Now, the precise question of when restrictions on a particular social activity should be lifted during the pandemic is a dynamic and fact-intensive matter subject to reasonable disagreement. Our Constitution principally entrusts the safety and health of people to the politically accountable officials of the state. And he cites a famous case, a a 1905 case, Jacobson versus Massachusetts for that proposition. Now, when those officials undertake to act in areas fraught with medical and or scientific uncertainty, their latitude must be especially broad. And then he cites another um, a seminal case, Marshall versus the United States, a 1974 case. 
Now, where those broad limits are not exceeded, they should not be subject to second guessing by an unelected federal judiciary, which lacks the background, competence, and expertise to assess the public health and is not accountable to the people. And he cites another case, Garcia versus San Antonio Metropolitan Transit District, a 1985 case for that proposition. Goes on to say, Justice Robert, this is especially true as here a party seeks emergency relief in an interlocutory posture while local officials are actively shaping their response to changing facts on the ground. The notion that it is indisputably clear that the government's limitations are constitutional seems quite improbable, according to the Chief Justice. So, again, Justice Kavanaugh wrote for the parties that the the justices that dissent. So I'm going to share with you the substance of their argument because I don't want to run out of time. So Justice Kavanaugh, with whom Justice Thomas and Justice Gorsuch joined, dissenting from the denial of the application, they said, or he said for them, I would grant the church's request for temporary injunction because California's latest safety guidelines discriminate against places of worship in favor of comparable secular businesses. Such discrimination violates the First Amendment. In response to the COVID-19 crisis, California has now a limited attendance at religious worship services to 25% of the building's capacity or 100 attendees, whichever is lower. The basic constitutional problem is that comparable secular businesses are not subject to the 25% occupancy rate, including factories, offices, supermarkets, restaurants, retail stores, pharmacies, shopping malls, pet grooming shops, bookstores, florists, hair salons, and cannabis dispensaries. South Bay United Pentecostal Church has applied for a temporary injunction from this relief from that 25% occupancy cap for its religious service. Importantly, the church is willing to abide by the state's rules that apply to comparable secular businesses including the rules regarding social distancing and hygiene. But the church objects to the 25% occupancy cap that is imposed on religious worship service, but not imposed on those comparable secular businesses. So I'm, I, I'm not going to go any further into the dissent because I think you get the gist of it. So my question to the dissent is this. And I ask it to you in my audience. Do churches that have the highest stature in the Constitution, our Constitution, our our United States Constitution, really want to be treated like other secular businesses in the eyes of the court and lose its prominent stature where nothing can be done to interfere with religion other than look out for the health and safety of individuals? I don't think so. But then again, that's just me. What do you think about this? And maybe you'll share some of your thoughts with me. 
you, you can get in touch with me. The station will let you get in touch with me. So we're going to leave it there for now. But as always in closing, I'd like to say here at Selwyn's Law, we always want to stay on the right side of the law, especially when we want to keep our congregations free to convive and share the word of the Lord. But we want them to be safe. We really must be safe when we practice our religions. So that's all for now. Take care. Till next time. Thank you for taking the time to listen to Selwyn's Law. Remember, the law office of Selwyn Whitehead is a designated debt relief agency under the federal law and provides legal assistance to consumers seeking relief under the bankruptcy code. When it comes to your finances and your rights, seek no other than the law office of Selwyn Whitehead. Selwyn is your go-to finance attorney, specializing in estate planning, wealth management, bankruptcy, tax, and real estate law. In other words, Selwyn knows her way around the dollar, and your rights are protected by our laws. Protect your money. Know your rights. Partner with Selwyn Whitehead. For immediate assistance, or if you have questions, call 510-633-1276, 510-633-1276, or go to selwynwhitehead.com. The preceding paid program is sponsored by the law office of Selwyn Whitehead, who is solely responsible for its content. 